is about teaching people basically mindfulness of the negative emotion. So the more people can welcome that feeling, the less threatening it becomes. Mindfulness itself is a way of habituating negative feelings because the more you approach them, the less threatening they are. So you, you do what's called safety learning. So in the end, these things become much less daunting because you've learned that it's safe to approach them. Before we get started, if you enjoy these episodes, you might want to explore more at optimorg.com. Our website offers unique content, tools, and exercises to help you thrive at work and beyond. We have an in-depth masterclass which covers our entire theory of growth. We have daily recommendations for personalized advice, and we have a platform to help groups and organizations learn and practice optimal work together. You can get a free trial at optimwork.com. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, this is Sharif, back with Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, good to be back here with you again. Hey, Sharif, thanks for having me back. Yeah, Kevin, well, I feel like we've been putting off this episode for too long um, that we could maybe talk finally about procrastination. Yeah, it's a profound topic. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Have we? I'm not sure we've dedicated a full episode. Uh, certainly, it's come up here and there. Um, but I thought, you know, we could. It's obviously an essential topic to to work. It's maybe one one of the big obstacles that people encounter in their work, and then it also comes up in other areas of life too. Um, but I thought we could just start with, okay, wh what are we talking about here? If there's an interesting take on it on what procrastination actually is from the perspective of psychology, uh, and then talk about how other people approach this problem and suggestions they have for overcoming it, and then get into our uh, approach to it. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Okay, so uh, why don't we start with, well, just you know, maybe even approaching it like, what are the costs of procrastination? I think we all, we all have this sense that procrastination is putting things off that we know we should do. Um, so what, what are the costs? What is procrastination and what are the costs of it? Good. I think the best definition of procrastination is it's delaying starting a task when the cost outweighs the benefit due to reluctance. So there's some kind of gap between your intention to do something and then actually doing it. So a lot of research has focused on the nature of that gap and how do we help people through that gap. But I think the most interesting thing to look at is the nature of the reluctance. But just to say the cost of it, we've asked that question now to thousands of people because it's part of the masterclass on optimal work. And we asked them, what's the cost of procrastinating in your life? And interestingly, having AI look through the answers and summarize them and put them into groups, by far the number one answer was that the quality of people's work suffers because they end up rushing to finish things. Uh, but also they said that their bonds with others were frayed. Um, there were health impacts of procrastinating. I think because two of the things people procrastinate the most on are exercise and I guess medical checkups, dental checkups, cleaning, and things like that. And then there's also just a lot more negative emotion. So they feel stressed and overwhelmed, and they feel a lot of dread and guilt. So there's all these negative things that come with procrastinating. So 
it's interesting to think of why why do people do this to themselves? It seems like it's you know there there and there's so many negative consequences, uh, but I think it's because of reluctance that people need to like I think come to terms with their reluctance to do things. So, yeah, it's it's just interesting where this gap comes from that you want to do something, you see that it's the best thing to do, and then you don't do it. Uh, early, a long time ago, we did an episode on discipline versus sincerity. So it seems like in the case of procrastination, a common take might be that someone who procrastinates lacks the discipline to follow through on their intentions. Is that something that comes across in the literature? Like, oh, you're procrastinating? Okay, you need more discipline. So there are all these studies on it. I think the best researcher I've seen on the question is Piers Steele. So at the University of Calgary, I believe. Uh, he has the most, um, the most research on looking at, for instance, what are the kind of character traits that go with procrastinating? There have been a lot of studies that showed in any population you ask, about 20% say that they are chronic procrastinators. But then they've tried to look into that and see more deeply what's going on. So for instance, um, do people who complain a lot procrastinate more? There's a weak association, so, but it's, it's not direct. Um, the most direct association is the more conscientious a person is. Um, and that's one of the, the, big, the big factors of personality that we talk about, conscientiousness. The more conscientious a person is, the less likely they are to procrastinate. Uh, so that gets into this idea that part of conscientiousness is, well, taking work seriously. So in taking your word seriously. In fact, it's a lot like being sincere. And I think in the lingo we use in optimal work, being sincere is that you are, um, you're, you're clear in your mind about why you're doing what you're doing. And so that's why we think that sincerity is better than discipline, uh, because it's more about clarifying in your mind why you're doing it, uh, to, be, to be sincere about what do you desire the most here. So conscientiousness seems to be the most related to being less likely to procrastinate. Um, so when you get down into it, I think a little deeper, um, the more people avoid negative emotions, in particular, the more they avoid the feeling frustrated, the more likely they are to procrastinate. And that's why I think about reluctance as being the essence of it. And you know, reluctance is not usually a construct in a lot of the research, but certainly when I'm working with people, reluctance is the real thing. So, and I think that reluctance can be a goldmine because those are the challenges that the people have been hesitating to engage. And so the more we can get into and flip around their experience of reluctance, then the more we can turn procrastination around. So I think the way we approach things in optimal work, usually we, you know, we say that procrastination always involves a double deception. So that there are, there are two ways that people deceive themselves. Uh, and so we can, we can go into that. But I think that that's kind of um, these ways that people deceive themselves, you know, in, aren't, I think that's where the... Um, the issue of reluctance comes to the fore. So if you, uh, you can, wherever you'd like to go with that. Before we continue, a brief message. If you're benefiting from these discussions, please hit like and subscribe to our channel. Doing so helps us reach more people. So you're not just learning yourself, 
you're helping others discover a path to growth and flourishing too. Thanks so much for your support. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah. So yeah, just quick follow-up here on is is procrastination like a trait of the person that I don't know if the, the, there's been research on this or it bears it out, but is, is it like there are t- types of people who are procrastinators and they procrastinate all sorts of things? Or is it just, you know, so they procrastinate one particular type of thing that they don't like or? Yeah, so they there are all these studies trying to distinguish types of procrastinators. On the whole, I don't find that kind of research very compelling. It's just a very common thing in psychology to try to group people, but usually the groups are defined by the researcher in advance. And then they just see, do people sort into these groups? And maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, so anyway, I, I tend not to like get into, for instance, a classic thing in, in, like, in some research, which I think is lower quality, is looking at perfectionism and procrastination. So, and for like 20 years, there was this association where people kept on, and in the, in, the, in the kind of popular press, everyone was talking about how perfectionism leads to procrastination and how these two things go, coincide. Finally, I think Pierre Steele in his research showed that there is no correlation at all between perfectionism and procrastination. It just took a long time for us, but it's because they're trying to distinguish early on the indecisive procrastinator from the perfectionistic one. And so, and I think procrastination is simply the effect on your behavior of reluctance so that you delay starting something even though you know that it would be better to start it now. So I think that's just a much more simple operational definition of it. So, because I can't find any examples of procrastination that don't involve reluctance. And so the more unwilling a person is to experience reluctance, the more automatically they'll procrastinate. It'll just be natural to them to put it off. So people need then to like change the relationship to their reluctance. So, so because the opposite in a way of feeling reluctant is feeling motivated to do something. And maybe you say that's what kind of bridges the gap between your intention to do something and then actually starting it is how motivated are you? So typically I don't like using the word motivation, although we've been talking about it with intrinsic motivation. And that's kind of what led to this, this topic. Uh, what is motivation and how does it relate to reluctance? One way of thinking of it is this, when you're motivated, you really experience the expectation to have traction in a task. So motivation is the, is the expectation of traction knowing that once you start this, you're gonna find it easier and easier to engage it. You're gonna have momentum. So momentum is the energy that a task gives you as you go about completing it. So what I think of as the first deception of procrastination is uh, that you think that you're gonna need a bunch of energy to get started on a task. So then you delay doing it until you think you have enough energy. And that happens because people maybe in that kind of task are used to getting frustrated and having to respond to frustration by pushing their way through it, white knuckling through the frustration the task brings on. 
So all of it fits together that the, the more people are pushing through frustration, the more energy it seems to take, well, that does seem to raise then the cost of entry for starting a task. Like, boy, I'm gonna have to be ready. Um, and so the solution to that uh, is when you're thinking, what, what's frustration pointing to? It's pointing to strategies that aren't working. So frustration is a great signal. It means that here's an area where you need to come up with a new strategy. And at that moment of needing a new strategy, you can try to use your will, like your willpower to push your way through. Sometimes that's called volunteerism. Or you can use your intellect, which is to be more creative about coming up with new strategies for doing this task. Be creative in thinking, how can I do this in a new and better way? The beauty of it is that every strategy that you come up with will always involve taking the whole task and breaking it down into a series of steps. Because that's what a strategy is. It's just a series of steps. Then those steps allow you to one step after another start getting traction in the task. And then traction, once you have it, is how you start building momentum. So I think that strategies give us traction, which is full engagement then with the task. And then that gives you momentum in the task. So the answer then is that you end up getting energy as you progress through the task. So you don't need like a certain quantum of energy before you start paying your taxes. All you need is a strategy that breaks it down into an easy series of steps. And I think the people that write about this in the lay press are generally right that think about the first 10 minutes of the task. Make that as easy as possible. So you can get some quick wins as you go through one step after another, making those first steps in the task very simple. Well, that's just be, that would be a great strategy. And then you start getting momentum as you go through it. And momentum is how tasks give energy. So you don't need to have a bunch of energy to start. So that's why I say it's like the first self-deception of procrastination. Yeah, it seems like in reviewing kind of popular books on procrastination, one of the main things that they emphasize is to overcome procrastination, get more organized or put more order into it, make a list of steps, identify your priorities. And then once you have that explicitly and kind of broken down, that will help you overcome procrastination. So um, it's, it's a, strikes me as a little bit different from the strategy approach. I mean, there are similarities and overlaps, but um, so it is what else is there out there in terms of um, approaches that people have to overcoming procrastination? Yeah. So I think that there are these, um, some people take an approach of looking at your life more globally. Okay, so this is the, the, the Warren Buffett uh, uh, 525 exercise. And the way it works is uh, he would have people write down 25 different goals that, that you have. So you, 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 know, you go through like, what are the most important next 25 things that I want to do? And, you, and once people have made the whole list, then you circle the top five. What are the most important on this list? And so the end of the exercise is, you, know, you, you clearly are gonna then focus first on those top five things. But the real goal of his exercise is those other 20 things, 
the, that's actually your avoid at all cost list. So, because those are the things that will distract you. So you'll be pulled away by these lower 20 things. But so the goal is get people focusing on the most important things. Well, there's, there, so what we're talking about here is that's, that's a way of putting order into your goals in life. And I think that that can be an excellent exercise you know, for, for people to do. And there's lots of versions of kind of self-authoring you know, that, that use similar types of, 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 of formulas. Uh, but I don't think it really gets at the cost of entry illusion. You know, which is that people think that before they can start working on this important thing that they're delaying doing, you know, that they feel like they need to have enough energy on board. What's similar is it also comes up with a series of steps. So in the end, I think that just thinking of it in terms of like making to-do lists and then prioritizing them, I don't think that's really dealing with the psychological barriers that lead to procrastinating. Uh, and so I think that like the 525 exercise, that's helpful for anyone. And I'm not even sure it's more helpful for, for people who procrastinate or those who don't. So to me, that's more about how to deal with unimportant tasks that distract you. But I don't think procrastination is necessarily the same as being distracted. So I don't think that there's, there's a huge overlap there. Um, although it's true that what... There is a kind of impulsivity that we see in procrastinators, but that impulsivity is really driven by their avoidance of negative emotions. That avoidance is the reluctance they have to engage with tasks that would produce this negative emotion. So the more willing a person is to have these negative emotions, the less reluctant they are, then the more they overcome procrastination. Mm -hmm. is, are there, is, are, is there anyone out there who's approaching procrastination from this psychological perspective, seeing reluctance at the heart of it and reluctance being the unwillingness to, you know, experience frustration or some negative emotion and then seeing that therefore addressing that and helping someone to become uh, more willing to uh, embrace negative emotions in pursuit of these goals that they see that as central or uh, mm -hmm. is that? Yeah unique to us. Say. There are. And so just in, in 2022, there was a randomized controlled trial um, by Eckert and colleagues in Germany uh, that was looking at teaching people emotion regulation techniques. Okay, we can get, talk a little bit about that. Uh, but essentially, it was a nine-week training program in how to be more willing to accept negative emotions. So how do you kind of lean into negative emotions? And then looking at just teaching people emotion regulation or your how to be more willing to accept negative emotions, what impact did that make on procrastination? And in, in, the, in the trial, it worked. So you overcome procrastination in people uh, by teaching them these emotion regulation strategies. Now, the, they measured at two points, the beginning of the trial and the end of the trial. We don't know how much those gains were maintained, but we have every reason to believe that the more you teach people how to willingly embrace the reluctance, you know, which is this, you know, to embrace the negative emotions they're avoiding, um, the easier it is for them to get started on tasks. So the less that they procrastinate. The emotion regulation training that they did 
in this German study wasn't directed at procrastination in particular. It was just directed at negative emotion in particular. So I think though there are special gains to be had when you focus on reluctance itself. Because it's it doesn't necessarily, I mean, you could be reluctant to do something like say going to the dentist because you're afraid of being reprimanded by the dentist. So there might be some shame there or fear. So, okay, well, that'd be, that could be one reason for you know being reluctant to go to the dentist. Um, in work, what we typically see is that people are reluctant to engage tasks, uh, you know, when they're planning, like when they're expecting to be frustrated in doing those tasks, that there's something there that's going to be hard that they're going to have to push through. So, the uh, this kind of is maybe a good a good chance to go into the the idea that uh, that the the second way people deceive themselves you know, when they're procrastinating uh, is that if you, th like, think of it this way, if you think of a task right now that is weighing on you and that uh, seems like the toughest task you're going to do today, and if you were to just as a thought experiment say, okay, I'm going to, like, write down a plan for starting it tomorrow. So now, like, I'm putting it in my schedule for tomorrow. But what happened is you would feel a moment of relief. So putting something off feels like doing something productive with it. So it's, it's a pseudo-engagement of a challenge. So in that way, procrastination, whenever you put it off, it can feel like you've engaged the challenge, but in fact, you haven't. You've, you've put off the challenge for, for another day. Um, there's this great Spanish proverb that tomorrow is often the busiest day of the week. Um, that you, people keep putting things off to tomorrow so, so that you, but it feels kind of productive when you do it. So the real challenge when it comes to procrastination is engaging reluctance itself. And so I think that if you're going to summarize in just... The, uh, in a few steps, the emotion regulation strategies, um, they actually have nine steps, but I think they summarize into these three. Um, the first thing is reframing. You have to reframe reluctance itself into the object. This is the goal. This is where I want to bring curiosity to make a sense of new discoveries, to kind of understand my reluctance. And what exactly is it about? So the more you can work on reluctance directly, the more you can overcome all procrastination, whether it's for tasks or making decisions or doing healthy behaviors. The second thing is mindfully accepting the feeling of the reluctance, which is the middle core of the whole emotion regulation training. It's about teaching people basically mindfulness of the negative emotion. So the more people can welcome that feeling, the less threatening it becomes. Mindfulness itself is a way of habituating negative feelings because the more you approach them, the less threatening they are. So you, you do what's called safety learning. So in the end, these things become much less daunting because you've learned that it's safe to approach them. So you can only be mindful of reluctance though in the moment it's triggered. So that then makes the reframing a little easier. If you can be looking forward to flashes of reluctance in the smallest things that come up. So when you're about to start a task, you could ask yourself, 
what in this thing that either I'm about to start or something I'm putting off, what am I most reluctant to do, right? And that's where then we really want to creatively engage it, to lean into it, to come up with new creative strategies, breaking it down into smaller steps. So I think if people do that, they find that uh, learning to be mindful of your reluctance, learning to be aware of it, is a game changer for all procrastinating. And in, it lets you overcome procrastination even in things you weren't putting off. Because in any task you're about to do, there could be one part of that task that you're most reluctant to engage it. And that's where you want to flip your view of it. So that you can say to that difficulty in the task, great, bring it on, the more the better. I'm gonna deliberately let this task stretch me in this way. Well, Kevin, that's great. I think you've shown that you know the solution to procrastination is precisely these three steps that we talk about basically every episode, reframing mindfulness challenge. <laughs> that's yeah, a very nice synthesis. I think people can see here that we're, our, our approach is always one of, technically it's called behavioral hormesis. But you take the thing that is stressing you and you turn it into the exercise that makes you stronger. And here, reluctance itself, boy, you know, if you're dreading reluctance and you never confront it, you never try to willingly accept it, then you just go through your day avoiding things without knowing why you're avoiding them. Because you're just never really facing up to the challenges. But the more you learn to use reluctance as a kind of guide to lean into the challenge, then engaging reluctance is like the prototype of behavioral hormesis of leaning into a challenge so that it can bring out your best and bring out your greatest strengths. So I think, I think it's actually, people will discover that the very things that you thought would take energy from you can be the things that actually give you energy. But the way to do it is break them down with a strategy, a series of steps that give you traction and then eventually give you this kind of momentum. Wonderful, Kevin. I think that's a, a perfect note for us to end on here today. All right, Shreve. Thanks for your questions. Thanks so much, Kevin. All right, we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and you're looking for more in-depth guidance, check out OptimalWork.com, our platform of content, tools, and exercises that will help you thrive at work and beyond. See you next week.